Welcome to Chasing Three Hours, a podcast about what runners are chasing, why they keep pushing themselves, and what keeps them curious. I'm Josh Peterson. Today's interview is with Johnny Rutford, a two-time Olympic trials qualifier. We talk about endurance sports being in his blood, his mentality being similar after races go for him or against him, and a whole lot more. Enjoy today's interview with Johnny Rutford. Johnny Rutford, welcome to Chasing Three Hours. Thank you. Good to be here. Happy to have you. I start the podcast uh, by asking my guests the same question, and it's fun because you got two of them in today. How was your most recent run? I will ask, how were your most recent runs today? Uh, they were good. It's a very typical, uh, I'm trying to think of Tuesday for me, where, you know, an hour in the morning and 30 to 40 minutes at night, if you uh, follow my Strava, which I know you do, it's... Uh, can be pretty consistent and pretty boring. It's pretty much a hour run in the morning and 30 minutes at night on every day of the week, except for uh, workouts or longer runs. So do you have a coach? Uh, yeah. So I run for uh, BTC elite, which is kind of a group of guys here um, kind of based in Portland, Beaverton area. We work out a lot at the uh, Nike world headquarters and uh, Elliot Heath is our coach. Um, he's a NCAA national champ from Stanford. And uh, we are very blessed that he, spends a lot of time with us. He comes out to workouts, you know, uh, twice a week and very consistent, writes the training. And it's, it's good to have a group of guys to, to train with too. That's very cool. We'll definitely talk about that later on in the pod. Let's, let's go back to your beginnings. Um, I, I'm wondering what kind of athlete you were growing up. Eventually you're going to get to college and you're going to, you're going to run there. You're going to play soccer in college. What kind of athlete were you as a kid? Uh, I would say I was never the fastest guy as far as, uh, on the soccer field, at least. Um, I had to buy, uh, white soccer cleats cause I thought they made you look faster. Uh, cause I was already slow enough. So if I was getting dusted by people, at least I wanted to look like it wasn't as bad. Um, but yeah, I, growing up, I did, um, I did Lincoln youth track club, uh, for Lincoln track club, uh, ran at a couple cross country meets there and then soccer. And then I swam. Um, and then when I was, I pretty much picked soccer as the sport, I did that all the way through high school and college, actually my freshman year of college. But I uh, I didn't run cross country until my senior year of high school. And my fastest time of the year and my best placing of the year was at the state meet. I just kept improving and improving and improving. And then I had a decision to make on college for if I wanted to play soccer or run cross country. And I actually decided to play soccer still. That um, I'd never run track in high school because soccer was in the spring and then in college I decided to run track and then it was kind of funny because I uh I started off started every game for soccer played the whole game and then I went to the track team and never having never run track my college uh freshman mile PR was I think 442 not the best it's more like a high school time but I had a blast doing it and even though I was the 10th fastest guy on the team uh decided to give cross country a shot just because I kind of fell in love with it more than I more than I was with soccer at that time. So you, you mentioned all these sports and it's obvious like how much endurance is, you know, important in cross country and swimming and soccer. Um, like, was that something in your family that, that you had runners in the family? Is it was it just that you were just whatever, for whatever reason, you were just really good at, at being able to maybe stay on your feet or stay in the water for a long period of time? Yeah, I, I don't know if that's a loaded question and you did your research or not, but my dad is actually a marathoner but a marathon swimmer. 
So he is swims more than I run, you know, like he, he <laughs> That's does, crazy. he's done the English channel. He's swims around Manhattan Island every year. He's done that for almost 25 or over 25 years in a row. And at one point, uh, he was in the Guinness book of world records for the fastest swimmer on Manhattan Island. Uh, so I'd say I get it from him, but nowadays I think I almost get it from my mom a little more because she, she retired recently and has been walking up a storm. So I know she can, she can hang too. So you, you mentioned you didn't participate in cross country until you were a senior. I, I guess like, was it something that kept you away or was it just that you were interested in those other sports? Yeah, I was playing club soccer, uh, mostly in the fall. And then, uh, yeah, kind of, I kind of just started running that summer and I kind of not fallen out of love with soccer, but I had been hurt a couple of times and then just started running and decided to give it a shot my senior year and have fun with it. And like I said, I think I was third or fourth on the team at the time trial. And then I was getting 30th in meets and then 25th and then 20th. And then I think I got 10th at the district meet and then somehow got fifth at the state meet instead of PR by 40 seconds. I was one of those guys. That's awesome. Did, did you find the camaraderie that you enjoyed it more with running like the, the running culture versus the, uh, like the traditional team sports? Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I really do love soccer. I'm not, I don't want to talk it down too much, but I yeah, think with, yeah. running, with, with running too, you can, uh, there's a team aspect and then there's the, you can see improvement aspect. And I think there's a more tangible result, you know, in soccer, you win or lose, but with, with running, you can see a time you can run the same course. You can kind of almost do it over, um, and kind of see your improvement and see how your, how your work gets, you know, gets you to the finish line. And there's no, I guess I did play, but there was no, like, there's no coach's decision. It's who's, who's got the fastest time, who's in the top, top five, top seven. And that's, that's who's running. Yeah. I re- one of the things that I really have grown to love about running is like what you get out of it. I think for the most part matches what you put into it. You know, I mean, obviously there are things that can go against you, whether it's an injury or weather of the day or whatever it is. But I feel like, Hey, if you really want to test your limits, if, if you do it in a smart way, you're going to be able to kind of find some things out about yourself. Whereas there are just so many variables, whether it's in soccer and football and basketball that you just can't control on a, on a day to day or even a game to game basis. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, for me, it's like, uh, so like on, we'll probably get to it later, but like my Olympic trials journey, I feel like I was a little, everyone thinks, you know, oh, you do it and you're there, but it's like the first time I think my, my first marathon and granted these times are, you know, I, I respect people with other types too, but like my first marathon was like 239 and I was walking at mile 18 and then it was 232 and I was walking at mile 22 and then it was, 228, but that was a good one because it was hot and I actually went out on pace. And then I was like, well, I guess we'll go all the way through. Then it was 221. And I was like, <laughs> the, which I still to this day think is the best race I've ever had in my life because it was just like the shape you're in. And it was a negative split. If you can ever negative split a marathon, I highly recommend it. Uh, you're just flying past people. Um, yeah. And then I ran 218, which is probably the second best race I've ever had at uh, CIM in 2018. Um, but perfect day little tailwind that we don't talk about um, outside of this <laughs> podcast, I guess. But uh, yeah, like I think like even on my journey for this OTQ, I've been in better shape for all of my attempts than I was for that 218. But sometimes you just need the day and that, that yep. day was perfect and I had a pack and I, I still don't know how I ran 218. And looking back, I was like, why did we go out 45 seconds under the pace and 
but hey, whatever works. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll we'll certainly get to that. I want to go back to something that you just said, though, because I told this story on the second podcast with with a guest named Derek Lowski, and I mentioned how my my favorite. I I, I went sub three in Chicago last year, but BQ all the all the the bells and whistles, and it was an incredible run and race. But man, like I I ran a three twenty four high at Minneapolis in in twenty twenty one, and I still feel like that day was kind of more enjoyable from the sense of like it just was perfect. And I was clicking and I never had that moment of like, this is really hard. It just every mile for the last half, I was getting faster and faster and faster. And I, I always tell people it felt like one kind of long celebration that by the time I'm, I'm cresting over the hill and going down to the Capitol, it's like, this is the best moment of my entire life. Even though that's not my PR a couple of years later, it's still a race that I always look back on so fondly. So I know that exact feeling, even if you end up having faster races at a later date. Yeah. Well, I don't know for you, but like that, that that's the race where it's like, okay, I think I can do it. Like, you know, yeah. when you, you, I feel like there's always, there's always a big jump before the big jump. And like the, the jump from 221 to 217 is harder than the jump from 228 to 221. But that was the one that made you think you could do something else. For sure. Um, so let's go back to the decision to play soccer in college. Like it seemed like you kind of weighed if you were going to do that or if you were going to run. What was it, I guess, that leaned you towards soccer? And then I guess what brought you back into into running cross country your second year? Yeah, I think soccer was definitely my first my first passion. You know, you play the whole time, and it's kind of um, what's special to you, and you want to give it a shot for sure. And I, I say all this, I was playing. Uh, I love my time, but Nebraska Wesleyan, I was playing D3 soccer. It's not like I was going to, you know, North Carolina to do this, but I think that's part of the passion of it too. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to keep going. Had a lot of friends that were on the team. My brother played soccer at uh, Wesleyan too. He was four years older, so we never played on the same team, but I knew some of the guys through, through good, just going to their games. And um, yeah, I, I, I still love my time on the soccer field. Still have still friends with those guys too. So when you, you make the decision, Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, and then, yeah, switching to cross country. Like I said, I was doing track and I think that everyone probably thought I was pretty dumb because I was going from, you know, being a big D3 starter on the soccer team to, you know, getting 10th place in the sea heat at a indoor meet at uh, Devaney. Uh, but I was having a blast and improving and I'll give a shout out to my college roommate, Alex Markham, um, you know, had a great time with him and he was kind of kind of taught me about the sport a little bit. I think I was pretty naive um, from that perspective and then, you know, started learning more. And now I'm definitely a student of the sport and, uh, you know, like to analyze my own training, other people's training. Sometimes I don't tell them that I'm analyzing it, but uh, yeah. Where did that, where did that uh, naivete maybe show itself? Do you think early on, like what, what, what did he really help you in some of those early days? Ah, it's a good question. I feel like it was a lot of the training, just like how, how to train, why you should run easy, when you should run hard, things like that. So a lot of the simple stuff, but I will say like, even though I was running 445 miles as a freshman in college, I was analyzing the race, just like I'm analyzing a 217 marathon. Now it was like, I was in, it wasn't like I was not performing. I was just in 445 mile shape. So it's like, all right, I got to go out and 223 and then stay hard the third lap and then kick it home. So I think all that, even for people who are running, doesn't matter if you're running 205, 215 or three hours or four hours. Like I think the the same, the same methodology and the same thinking applies to each of those races. So um, I think there's no difference there. 
So along those lines, how do you think it benefited you? And, and maybe, I guess, how did it go against you, if that's the right term, that you didn't run cross-country until you were a senior in high school? Like, I have to imagine that you were fairly unique, whether it was at Wesleyan or other schools that you were going against. I mean, obviously, you were doing these other endurance sports. But, like, where, where do you think that that showed itself as whether it's, like, the uptick in mileage that you're trying to get used to, your body's trying to get used to, or anything else? Yeah, it's another good question. The, I think it's mostly like, I, I really listened to my coaches, uh, especially at the beginning. And I think that that helped a ton. My high school coach, Dave Niebel, John McCracken, they were, you know, we were a fairly low mileage team at Southeast, but like we were doing the right stuff and they were setting me up for success. And like when we were dialed in, like we improved at the end of the year and, you know, I was doing stuff and I think just mentally in the race, it was like, we, you know, we have a plan and we're going to execute it and we'll go out and do that. And, um, I think that's kind of what I liked about it is knowing, you know, Hey, I'm going to pass these people at the end, as long as I, I listen to the plan. And it's kind of nice to be naive because you're, you know, fully on blinders. You don't know any better. You're listening to them. Um, and I think that's kind of a coach is probably like that too, where you're, you're fully on board. What, what's your, the thing that you look back on, like that you're proudest of most at, at running for Nebraska Wesleyan? Um, I think probably, probably winning conference track titles. Um, it was, it was a big deal back then. I think I look back and I, I, um, you know, those were, those were the good times. And it's kind of weird. Cause I went from being, I think my sophomore year, I was like, or like the eighth best guy on our team. And then we had a bunch of seniors who uh, graduated and I went from like seventh to second or first. And it was like, all of a sudden, then I was, you know, at the top of the conference race and it was kind of like, okay, you're making the race. And um, I feel like every time I, I did that, I, I executed. And um, typically when I was the, the favorite, I won and that was good. So you fit, you finished school. And if I remember right, you cut, you took a break from running, correct? Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I was like, right after you graduate, you know, you do something. I feel like there's two, two things of thoughts. Like I'm never running again or like, yep. I'm going full bore. And I was <laughs> remember I was, I was one of those people was like, I'm going full bore. And I was like training really hard. And then I got hurt. And then I was like, ah, I'll take a little break. And, um, yeah, I probably for like when I was, 22 to 25, I was running, you know, 30, 40, 50 miles a week. And then in 2016, 2017, when, uh, Lincoln running company, uh, Logan Watley really got that going. Um, you know, same thing with that team aspect. I really got behind that. Um, would meet, we'd have a bunch of guys meet up at, um, Wabash trail in, uh, council bluffs. And yep. I lived like 10 minutes from there just on the interstate. And so, started going out there every weekend and improving and just racing some of the, um, Lincoln track club races, Lincoln marathon or Lincoln half marathon for me. And they just kind of picked up from there and, and took off. So like the question that I, you are, I don't know what number of former college athlete, former college runner that I've had on, there's always like that moment of, you know, the marathon and when will you run it? And like every runner in college seemingly has asked that question. And like, I just had on a guy, Seth Hirsch recently who ran at Wisconsin and Colorado. He hasn't dived into it yet. He's, he's doing a bunch of cycling stuff. Other, other runners wait a little bit. Others get into it right away. I imagine that you were asked that a lot right after college. At one point, did that become something that you were like, all right, I'm ready to tackle the marathon and some of, some of the, the, all the things it entails. And you mentioned your time earlier running a two thirty nine. Yeah, no, I think, I think a lot of times you don't realize how other people, 
inspire you without knowing it too. So like, I think back in that time, um, I don't know if you know, uh, Eric Knoll, but he ran at Wesleyan and he was, um, a few years older than me. And maybe even, I can't remember if he was there my last year or not, but he was out, um, kind of with the Lincoln running company. And then he moved to California, but he did a couple of marathons and was running like 220 or, you know, was right on the cusp of the trials. And like, granted I was far away, but I was like, I think I can do that. And just kind of watching him and then watching other people, um, kind of just inspire me to keep going. And then, you know, he runs 220. I'm like, I'm going to do this. And then I get out there and I run, you know, 240 or whatever it was. And it's like, Oh man, that's hard. But it's so interesting talking to so many runners who have gone after the trials and like kind of maybe when that comes on their radar, it's, so it seems like it kind of came on your radar early because of someone in your life. Yeah, I would say, like I said, I, I was kind of blessed. And that's, I think the two trials journeys for me have been so different. And the first one, I kind of, I was running, you know, like I said, I ran 228 and then I ran that 221 and like started thinking about it. And then really my first attempt was the 2018 and I ran 217, um, 59. Um, and it's like, okay, I got it. And then the trials weren't for a full another year. And so I didn't run another marathon. And then I ran the trials and then COVID hit, but then, you know, you get a taste of it. And uh, I always tell people, don't look up my trials time. Uh, it was not good. I was, I was eating it. Uh, I was walking at the end and everything too in Atlanta, but then, you know, that kind of puts a fire under your butt and you want to do it again. And then COVID happens and I'm like, Hey, when's the window opening? And then the window opened a year later and knowing myself, I'm, I'm someone who wants to get stuff done quickly and right away. So I told my coach, uh, Hey, windows open and I want to do Houston. And so kind of the notification period was short. So we had like, I was doing club cross country and then we had like five weeks and we're like, all right, we'll just do three long runs of 20 miles and see how it goes. And then I ran for this one, took me five attempts. So it was like, uh, and every time I was in better shape than the 218. So I was like, God, when this is coming. But, um, I think I always had a quiet, quiet confidence in myself that I was, I was going to get it done. Um, especially knowing that you're in shape and just knowing the marathon and that, Hey, sometimes it doesn't go your way. Um, but sometimes it does. And you just need to take, take a few cracks at it sometimes. We, we had never talked before we started recording this. One of the, the early takeaways that I have is like, you are super competitive and it seems like your competitiveness really drives you. Like, it, I guess, is that something that you think you've always had? Yeah. And in a weird way, I would, I would say I'm not, uh, I don't think I'm a competitive person with other people. I think I'm competitive with myself. Against yourself? Like, yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't really care if I get, you know, at CIM, if I'm, I'm not like racing a guy to the line or anything like that. I'm more racing myself and even in a, a local race, like I, but you know, I'm, I'm not a kicker. So maybe that's part of it is I know I might not get him, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm competitive with myself. Um, and like, I, I'm one of those people who could tell you what my workout was, you know, in December of 2019, I could tell you what swim workout I did just off the top of my head. Cause I, I feel like I get invested in it and, um, I care about it. I follow that stuff. So. Yeah, and you look at yeah. you, you're diving into the data. What, so you, you run that first marathon and I think it seemed like there was about a handful of them in between that and the OTQ. What, what was the biggest difference between you at the start of that and at the end of that first process for the first trials qualifier? Like, was it 
just having to understand what went into race day. Was it a, was it something different with training? I, I obviously it's all of the above, but I wonder if there's one specific thing that you look back on and you say that was something I really didn't know at the beginning that I knew by the time that I qualified. Yeah. I think part of it was just like true commitment. Um, I think the, the last one that I did, I was, I was dialed in and, you know, I know a lot of people have coaches and, um, you know, pay a lot of money and a lot, a lot of good coaches out there. When I ran that, that race, I paid a $40 plan off the internet for, uh, elite, elite marathoning. And it was, you know, I just followed that thing and I, you know, adjusted it as I needed to with work and stuff, but I just locked in and I believed in that plan and all of a sudden, boom. And there it was to that end. That's the most I've ever ran. I was running. Yeah. Like, I went from running probably 70, uh, miles at those, the marathons before. And then that one, I think I averaged like 121 for like eight weeks before and then yeah, tapered nice and felt good. I, I obviously doubles had to be involved. Were you doing triples as well? No triples. It was a lot of, a lot of like 12 and four, you know, it, I will say like you can see on my Strava, I pretty much double every day. Doubles yeah. add up fast. Like my hundred mile week is not the same as other people's like people who do that in singles. It's, it's a lot harder. Um, you know, I always, I was joking with someone, they were talking about running 90 miles a week. And I said, that's just eight and four every day. And then a long run of 16 and you're there, you know, like, or I guess and when 18, you say it that way, it doesn't, right. I mean, some would hear that and say, that sounds like way too many miles, but I hear that. And it's like, wow, eight and four. And then a 16, like, that's not that bad. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. But, and I, I, that, you know, I come from a very privileged point of saying that where, you know, I have the time and, uh, and can do that. But yeah, it's, it, if you, you know, it's only an hour. It's like my wife's a triathlete. She's doing the Kona Ironman coming up here, but she trains more hours than me. I don't know how people bike that long. Everyone asks me, when are you going to do triathlon? You swim in high school. You can run all this stuff. I'm like, I'm not biking six hours on the weekend. You kidding me? It's so funny that you mentioned that I was going to ask you about your wife. You 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 proposed in a very public way about a decade ago. Uh, you, you've been married, I imagine, now for about a decade or, or close to it. Um, I, I love talking to runners about the importance of a partner. I just got married last month, and and my wife has been so valuable and so important to me as I've gone on this running journey that really kind of began at the start of of twenty twenty. Um, what, what has she meant to you along the way, giving all, given all the hours that you're putting in, obviously she is also putting in a ton of hours. You guys must have great communication to be able to do that. Cause I have to imagine her two ships passing in the night at times. Uh, very much so. Cause like I said, she's a, she's a meteorologist and her shift is, you know, three to midnight and you know, my shift is much earlier than that. So yeah, a lot of times during the week, we don't, we don't see each other cause I'm in bed when she, she gets home and she's asleep when I wake up and leave. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's really a question in our household. It's not, uh, you know, are you working out today? It's what'd you do today? And there's no, you know, everyone knows that we're doing it and there's no question of it. And I think we both understand too, that, you know, that's, that's what's happening. So she's not going to invite me to something at 9am on a Sunday. Cause she knows I'm going to be running. So. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Understanding what the other person is interested in. Let, let's go back to 2018 at the, at CIM California international marathon. You line up that day. Do, do you like, are you believing like this is the day it's going to happen? Are you hoping that that's the day it's going to happen? Talk me through the emotions of that day. You know, I, I say it was my first attempt and I was dialed in. If you would have asked me, like, I just wasn't as I was prepared. I was, I had all my bottles lined up. I had all that stuff, 
But like going back, and I feel like everyone says this when you have your best race, you just don't really remember. I just kind of all of a sudden was at mile 23. Like I, I kind of black, I don't know if I blacked out or what, but I couldn't, it was just, we we're all of a sudden at half and then we we're all of a sudden at 20. And then all of a sudden I was there, but I will say once we got to mile 22, I was doing a lot of math in my head. I was like, okay, you can run 540 pace from here on out and still get this. And then it was 550 pace and then it was six minute pace. And it's like, all right, just don't walk. You can, you can, you can do this. What was it like uh, yeah. crossing the finish line? You know, I, I feel like I'm pretty, I, I think I gave a, ah, and that was, that was pretty <laughs> much it for me. Uh, yeah. I, like you said, I, I, I'm not, I'm an emotional person, but not, not that emotional. I think the, my emotions get the best of me when like, um, you know, when, when I get hurt or something and, but I don't really let it get me down. Like I, if I, if I get hurt, sometimes it's a blessing in disguise, but like, I'm also a crazy person. And if I get hurt, I'm spending, I always joke that I swam in high school and I am the, I'm a horrible swimmer. I have a horrible stroke, but I can swim straight for, you know, two hours. So it's like, if I get in the pool, I look horrible. I'm getting passed by, you know, people that I, that don't look like they should pass me, but I'll tell you what swimmers can swim. Um, but I I'll cross train, I'll swim 30,000 yards in a week, just getting after it. But I feel like I love just, I, Sometimes I like getting hurt. It's a kind of weird thing to say, but uh, it gives me a break for, break for everything else to heal and uh, get after in the pool a little bit. And then right as my arms get hurt because I shouldn't be swimming that much, that's when my legs start to feel better and I go run again. So if if I did my research right, you qualified at the same marathon that Haley Sutter did too, right? Yeah, that was the one and where she... Yep. She falls at the finish line. And, and so I, I was looking up, like I knew she was a Wesleyan alum. You yep. guys went to the same high school too, right? Yeah. Were yep. you there She's at the couple, same time? She's a couple years older than me. So we were there at the same time, but I didn't run cross country. So, so you wouldn't have had a whole lot of overlap. Yeah, not a whole lot of overlap. And then even when I was at Wesleyan, we were there at the same time, but she had studied abroad, I think my freshman year. So yeah, not that much, but definitely was, she was also on um, LRC at the time too. So we were, we were cheering each other on for sure. Yeah. So what was it like qualifying at the, at the same trial as, as her? Like you both have this huge goal and you both are able to do it. And not only are you from the same state, from the same university, <laughs> you're from the same high school as well. That, I mean, it just of, of all the gin joints in all the world. Yeah, no, it was awesome. And then, you know, she, it was kind of weird. I remember cause uh, when she was there, it was like, she was like the two forty five. I think her gun or her net time was oh oh, but her gun time was oh two. So it was like, did she make it? It's like, they're going to let her in. They can't let that story go. And she ran the time. So she deserved it. What, what, um, what was it like for you doing something like f as a Nebraskan, you know, cause I was reading a bunch of articles earlier today and like a couple of lines stood out to me in particular. One said the fastest marathon in almost 10 years by a Nebraskan. That was in one story. Another one said that the first male from Nebraska to qualify in over a decade for the trials, like, was there pride that you had in in doing that, whether it was for LRC or for just Nebraska in general? Because it seemed like in those articles and others, like there was a pride from the writers of like this guy is one of us. This is really special. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, I think I think I owe it to like people like Eric and you know people who kind of and Logan Watley for sure. Like I that I would not be where I am without him starting LRC for sure. Like the the 
and the support from the Lincoln Marathon that they have and Ringline. And then, like I said, was talking earlier, my high school coaches, um, Ted Bowling, who just recently retired from Nebraska Wesleyan, and then uh, Alex Markham, too. So, um, man, I feel like I'm giving a whole list of shout outs. My parents, my wife, my dogs, uh, everyone. <laughs> and actually, my I will say my dog, Oso, um, I, I think you follow me on Instagram, so you probably see quite a bit of him. But actually, when we went to CIM in 2018, he was staying with a friend of ours and escaped their backyard and got hit by a car. And then we landed in Sacramento and he was like at the pet hospital. Like he had to get, you know, he was all bruised up and everything. So we almost, I almost didn't run that race. Cause we were, I was almost, I mean, we were talking about crying in an airport. We were yeah. all in tears and my parents were there too. And like, we almost turned around and came home. Um, but luckily, uh, the person he was with took, took good care of him. And, you know, it's little things like that during the race, you know, repeating little mantras, like, all right, I'm doing this for Oso. Like he can get by a car. I can, I can run freaking two hours. Like, let's go. I love being a millennial dog parent. Like, I mean, talk about, cause I, I'm, I know that I would have the exact same reaction and my wife would have the exact same reaction. Like, uh, we have to go home uh, and, and finding out everything's okay. Like that's good, but let's go home immediately. I know that that would be our reaction too. Yeah. Uh, so you moved to Oregon in 2020. What, what, what led to that? Like, and, and I guess obviously everyone's going to hear that and say, Oh, 2020, I know what unfolds there. Um, what, when, when was that? Was that before or after the, the, the trials took place? Um, that was, so we moved here in December or we, we drove out on Thanksgiving, 2019, um, mainly cause my wife, uh, got a job out here as a, as a reporter, you kind of go from city to city until, um, you know, kind of, you move up in one city and then you go back to the bottom of the totem pole and then you, yep. you know, you're going to just keep repeating that process. And we ended up here, uh, love it here. Um, so yeah, I've been here almost four years now, but yeah, we drove out on Thanksgiving and then I was actually still working in Nebraska until I could transfer out here. So I was kind of splitting time between the two working remote and then going back and then moved booked a one-way ticket in March of 2020, uh, thinking I was going to come back a week later to Nebraska before I moved out fully. And then I don't think I came back until like July to come get my car so I could move out full-time. But my wife was here in December. So right before the trials. Okay. Let's, let's go to the trials. I know you mentioned like not a, not a great race day, but what, what is it like as you arrive at, at the, the start line for that and really the entire weekend at large. I just, I, I can't imagine the emotions, especially as an amateur runner, you know, obviously there are people that are, you know, trying to go after the Olympics. I mean, I guess that you, maybe that was your mindset, but what is the mindset <laughs> no. of someone? Yeah. Of someone, I just wonder what the weekend is like, what that process is like, is like, I mean, this is basically the pinnacle for, for a runner such as yourself to make it this moment. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the, the, the high emotion point is definitely when you qualify because that that's the goal. I'm not I'm not going to the Olympics. Every time someone asks me, "Oh, what do you have to do to qualify for the Olympics?" I say, <laughs> "You need to get you need to go to the course with me, and you need to move some barriers for the everyone's who are in front of me, and then let me pass through, and I can no one behind me can be there either, and that's the only way I'm qualifying to get top three. <laughs> uh, and I think even now I don't even know if I could because you probably have to run a fast time with all the qualifying points and everything. But I think the the coolest part about the trials for me is like. I run at whatever, like I said, six and six AM and five PM every day. And I'm by myself for the most point, you know, especially working at Nike now. I, I, I run with more people a lot more. And um but I think I was there and there was probably twenty people there just to support me. And you know, I don't see those people every day in the morning, but I know that 
you know, they see the work that goes into it and they were there. And, you know, some of those people I hadn't talked to in two years, but they still showed up. So I think that, that kind of, that, that's where, um, it meant a lot to me there. And so you, you finish and, and you said it earlier, like it kind of lit a fire underneath you. Was that something that happens like literally in that moment? And, and you're, you're thinking ahead four years from then, or was it, you know, over the courses, maybe you kind of debriefed on that day. Yeah, I, I think it's a little a little bit of a debrief, but like I mean, I'm someone who I qualified at grandma's this year. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna ta- I'm gonna take two, three weeks off. I was running four days later. Like I <laughs> it's just I'm one of those people. I feel like there's yep. two sides, two sides of the fence. And uh Elliot, my coach, you know, he puts in we have like a running log and he puts in my mileage for the week. I'm over every time. Like I'll, I'll be honest, you know, I, I'm not too much, you know, but I feel like he, at this point he probably knows to just put five miles less than he means. So, Cause he knows I'm going to do five more. What would you say was the biggest difference in terms of how you trained for going after it this time versus the first time? I know you mentioned it, it took you more attempts. Was there a difference in training as well? Uh, a noticeable difference. You said that you were doing your higher mileage for the first one, right? Yeah. And and I say higher, I'm still running, you know, over a hundred now. It's not like I I dropped down or anything, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think training with a group is awesome. Uh, but I think the, the thing that I, the thing that I miss about Nebraska in a weird way is the, you guys are probably going to hate me for saying this, but the summer weather, like I, you get so fit. And then if you, if I, I look back at my logs and I'm like, how did I run 218? And then I think back and I'm like, Oh, it's cause it was, 80 degrees with hundred percent humidity at 6am when you did that workout, like that's worth 15 seconds a mile for what you're doing in Oregon, you know? Uh, yeah. So it's so funny you, know. you say that, man. Like I, I, so I ran Lincoln, uh, it was like the first hot humid day of the spring. And so I biffed it at the end, had a horrible time and I'm like coming out of it. And my training isn't as, as I get past the recovery period and everything's just harder. The humidity and the, the heat arrived in June. And I'm like, this sucks. My heart rate is way higher than it needs to be in, in for these runs. My recovery runs are feeling like shit. It's just, it's horrible. And of course I get past that and I, I'm, I'm fine. And then I just deal with the usual machinations of summer. And then like a week and a half ago, we had that first true like 48, 49 degree fall morning. And I felt like I was shot out of a cannon. I was like, this is yeah. the greatest thing of all time. And so now, you know, in the moment you're like, this sucks. I think by mid-July, I really do embrace it. But gosh, those first couple of weeks of summer and humidity and heat, it is just the absolute worst because your body is not used to it at all. Yeah, brutal. I, I get crap on our team because I'm the person on the, you know, I, I get a side stitch during a workout and I, I like I like it because I'm like, hey, this might happen in a race. Like, you better get used to it, you know? Uh sometimes you know tmi but like i get my good one out in the morning but if i have to poop right before i'm like i'm holding this in for this workout because this might happen in the race like it's good practice i'm the i'm the guy who's eating five gels on a long run that i don't need but hey you need to do it sometime that hey it's a great mindset to have man i think i i think that anytime it's like pouring rain or or you know horrifically cold like there's no guarantee that race day is going to be perfect so you might as well train uh, train like that all time. Uh, so you 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 mentioned it took a while um, in terms of the number of races. What do you think went against you wrong? Whatever word you want to use before you were able to qualify at Grandma's this year? Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think part of it's just like things you can't control. Like in uh, my first Houston, I was I was close. I was in shape. I just, I just don't think I had enough time, you know, in those four weeks. And then I I was yeah, that was actually my fastest qualifier or attempt outside of the one where I did qualify. Um, and then 
What was next? Then I did Eugene, which was kind of a, um, well, the guys crushed it this year, but I was like, oh, you can't qualify on that course. And then they all went and ran 216. So what do I know? Uh, but you know, that day I was just not, you know, it was a quick turnaround. And then I did CIM, uh, this last year and got close again, but just didn't have it on the day. And then, I, you know, knowing myself, I was like, okay, I'm in shape. I'm just going to turn around and do Houston quick. And I did Houston again. And then that day it was like one of the, you know, not super warm, but it was maybe 65, 70. And I just, you know, I coming from Oregon, December, January, just wasn't prepared for it. And I think I ran 224 or something, but you know, just died. And then yeah, grandma's just, everything came together. It also wasn't, it wasn't the best day, but it wasn't the worst day. But um, I think I was in, in good enough shape to, to get it done that day. Do you, it seems like you have really good mental toughness because it seems like you you're very analytical on this and and I mean maybe it's because you've also you've ran the OTQ and so it's maybe is it easier to say this now but you just seem very like matter of fact of hey it wasn't my day move forward is that is that do you think how you approach it in the immediate aftermath of all of those races too a hundred percent and even after I qualified I think I I was that that when I went to grandma's it was my busiest time of the year at work. And I arrived on Wednesday night, worked all day, Thursday, ass in seat, you know, except for the run, did the same thing Friday. My, my bosses are, are real nice. And basically Friday at 5 PM, I said, they said, don't look at your computer. Like they were telling me, um, and I did that and then flew home Saturday and then basically had a beer at the airport and said, all right, I'm done. Like, but on to the next. So I wasn't, you know, I was excited, but I, I, I didn't, like with my wife, I was like, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm done. <laughs> do you wish that you enjoyed it more? Or do you, I mean, obviously this has played into your success. Do you wish that you were able to stop and smell the roses? Uh, maybe not. I, I, I kind of like it just onto the, like I, I get shit from my teammates too. Like this weekend I did, I, you probably see it on Strava too, but like I run the same loop almost every day, a mile and a half, just round and round. But I zone out. People ask, you know, what do you, what do you think about when you run? I'm like, I don't know. Just, Sometimes I think about work. Sometimes I think about other stuff and no headphones. Just, just run baby. Man. So you just, I mean, it just seems like you just dig all the, the process of running, whatever, whatever, whether it's a race day or whether it's a, a morning run or an afternoon run or whatever it is, it just seems like you dig it all. Yeah, no, that's a good, actually, I, I've never thought about that. I don't even know if you meant to do that, but like the answer that I think I do just kind of think about the process of running every day. You know, like I think the, think about, Oh, what did I do in 20, 17 that worked or, you know, like who did I run with? I remember, you know, Oh, I did this run with Nolan Zimmer out at Wabash this time or John Cleary. And I think, you know, just think about those times. It's not like I'm thinking about, I usually am thinking about running, but not necessarily in the, like, what do I need to do to get better? It's like, you know, thinking about the memories of, of past runs. So it, it, cause I wanted to ask you like, yeah, you PR at grandma's, you qualify again. Like there's going to be all this emotion and it, it's, I mean, it's, it's awesome obviously, but it really was okay. Now what's next? What's next? What's next? Yeah. I, I guess I say that like, was I a little teary eyed in the bathroom at grandma's on my own? Yeah, I was. So it's like, I, I, it's not that I don't care cause I care a lot. So it's like the, you know, I think I was drinking a Coke and a Bud Light at the same time. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm here alone. <laughs> just drinking, you know, but Hey, got it done. Had, had you run grandma's before? I've never run that race and it just looks awesome. Yeah. I did the half or I've done the half twice and I did the full once. Um, the year I did the full last time it was super warm. 
Um, but it was like, it was almost a blessing in disguise because my previous marathons had all bombed, but then I knew it was going to be warm. So it's like, okay, you're going out conservative and you're doing it. Um, yeah, I think I ran like 229 or 228. Um, but yeah, the, the crazy thing about grandmas is like, you don't, or any marathon, especially if you're chasing the OTQ is like, you gotta, you always gotta bank some time for the end. Cause you never know where the finish line is, right? Like if you're on a track, you know, when you have 400 to go, you know, when you have a hundred to go, I turned the corner and I just told myself like, once the clock hits 217, you just got to fucking go. Cause like, you don't know where the finish line is. And it's like, yeah, I hit the mile 25 with enough time left, but like enough time, meaning I have to run a 515. It's like, and then you don't know if the finish line's actually 50 meters further than it should be based off that marker. So, and then it was just, guns a blazing for the last uh whatever minute until i hit it what's the what are what is the emotion and uh, maybe the better word is energy the energy of these marathons like grandma's like cim where uh, uh, people in your shoes they all kind of gravitate towards them right like I, I don't know chicago's coming up soon you know very flat course I, that was where i got my bq last year i imagine that that will have a cluster of some of those but there are very specific ones in in america where a lot of runners like you kind of gravitate towards what, what, what is that energy like in a weekend when you kind of get to the start line and you're looking around and everyone is kind of thinking that same thing of, you know, whether it's a few years ago, 219, now it's 218. I, I have to imagine the, 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 the start line is just a, a lot of like, here, here we go, energy, nervous energy, whatever it is. Yeah. It's weird. I think there's like, there's like so many different stories that are there. There's like the old D one all American who can run like 50 miles a week and they can still do it. Then you got people who shouldn't even be attempting it that are doing it. But like, those are the people I love. It's like, we're going for this. And, um, so a little dumb sometimes, but Hey, I was that person too. Um, and then, yeah, like it's weird. I, you know, when I'm talking to family or something or friends, they're like, I'm like, I would place better in the New York city marathon or Boston than I do at CIM, but I'm going to CIM cause that's where everyone who runs 216 to 220 is going. Um, so I think it's, it's awesome. And like, even at the, you know, as I've done these, as I, as I did, I'm, I'm not running another marathon until those are the trials, but, um, as I do those five attempts, you end up in the same pack with people from all across the U S cause they're all doing the same thing. And it's like at grandma's, there's a guy I recognized from Houston and CIM who, you know, ran in the same pack. And I know he didn't qualify, but I could tell like it wasn't his day, but he was still just nose to the grindstone at mile 12. Like he was getting dropped at mile 12. So I know he wasn't having a good day, but he was just like, he'd get dropped a little bit and just grind to catch back up. And eventually he actually got dropped. But I was like, if this guy's working this hard at mile 12, like I can save something at mile 20 and like get moving. Cause um, I was telling a, a friend on the run the other day, like it doesn't matter how big your pack is, what marathon you're at, at mile 24, you're going to be alone. Like the pack is going to dissolve. People are going to drop. So like you need to be prepared to run alone for 30 minutes at the end of the race. And like that in this workout, he was going longer than me. And I said, listen, dude, like get prepared to run alone. Like it's good that I'm not going with you because you need to be prepared for this. That's awesome to hear. I, I wonder what it's like for you. You mentioned the competitiveness earlier. Um, and how you're really competing against yourself, even within races. What about comparing yourself to other runners away from a race day, like on Strava? You, you said something earlier about like looking at workouts and seeing what people are doing. Like, are you 
looking at, at these types of people that are in your zone and, and saying like, I can be better than that, or I need to be better than that. Or he looks ahead of me, or are you someone who maybe has a, a healthier relationship with Strava where you're not consistently doing that? Like I know some people do. No, I'd say, yeah, definitely healthier. Like I think I'm more of like the more power to you or like, I'm impressed, not like a, Oh, you shouldn't be doing that. Like, uh, no Rasmussen who just ran the Buffalo run record. I like, I I'm like, dude, this guy is in shape. And I think before the, before the Buffalo and I put a time out there on, uh, you know, the Facebook post that the running company had. And I was like, I think ever the course record is 24, 20. I'm like, that's not even a question. I thought I almost put 23, 30 and he ran 20. I put 23, 47 and they ran 23, 41. But, um, yeah, guys <laughs> like that, like, and I'm excited for like watching what he's going to do. Cause I think kind of like what I have, like on, you know, just consistency, like I respect the hell out of guys like that who are running every day and like, you can see it and like, you can see they care. And I feel like there's a difference between running every day and like training. Like, yes. I think that like the, when he, when you're doing workouts, like workouts are hard. Um, yeah. and you know, not everyone, obviously, you know, double threshold, you know, take it easy. Don't, don't go over your overboard, but like, there's a difference between just running easy and, and, and doing workouts and, you know, really training for something. I want to go back to something you said about like going to the start line and you look around and you see like these D one guys who are maybe running 50 miles a week. And then, you know, essentially non D one guys, you are a non D one guy. I, I think outside of one runner, everyone who's come on the podcast, you ran in college did not do it at a division one school. Wesleyan is, is, are they NA NAI, right? Are they, is we, that what we, they are? We are D three, but when yeah, I was D3. there, we were in an NAI conference. So it was a little weird. Um, they are okay. now fully D three though. Fully. D3. Okay. So the, the question ultimately is like, what is it about runners such as yourself who are running at these, smaller schools, whatever nomenclature we want to use finding success at this high of a level. I I am. And like, maybe it's just the obvious thing, but you know, my day job, I cover college football mainly. And and we obviously talk a lot of NFL and for every like Khalil Mack coming out of like Buffalo, most of the guys are the Bama, the Georgia, the Ohio States, et cetera. The, the, you know, you're very rarely going to find one of those truly under the radar. No one ever heard of guy making it to the pros, but it seems like, runners such as yourself are able to have so much success. Is it just the, the, the natural talent has to be in one spot, but it's about the drive and the, and the want to, do you think? I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but I'm just, it just is very interesting to me as someone who covers, you know, a sport that is maybe treated one way versus running, which does seem to be different, at least from the outside. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a little both. Like I D one runners are like, they are more talented and I, they work, I, I would say they probably work, you know, harder in college. Like they, and even after college, like if a D1 guy continues running, like they're going to beat me. Like there is a, there's a definite talent gap. Um, and like, I don't, I have no qualms about that. Cause that's why I'm competitive with myself, not, not other people. Like there's guys on our team now. I'm like, they're, well, they're going to beat me. You know, it's like, I'm, I, I almost feel like a, a big brother whose little brother, like, you know, is better than you type of thing. It's like, you, you want to help them succeed and, you know, I'm not, I don't want them to be held back by me. Like go forward. You can, you can drop me. You, you can, you can <laughs> me. I'm not, I'm not going to be disappointed. So you, you mentioned them earlier, the Bowerman track club elite team. How, how did you get involved with this? Like, what is the process like for someone joining the team in the first place? Um, I guess just kind of take me through that process. Yeah. I mean, I was moving to Portland regardless, or I guess Beaverton is where we ended up. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's a lot like any other team where 
the the way that you get on the team is well obviously you know you gotta introduce yourself do the emails all that stuff but like show up like you know we meet at at the certain time on a certain day at a certain place and like the the guys who have have joined the team is like they've just showed up for 10 weeks in a row and then all of a sudden you just kind of blend into the team it's not like you just have to be consistent like you don't want to have someone who's, you know, shows up once a week and then isn't there for five weeks and then comes back. So it's like, it's very much a, a team of just show up, put in the work. And you know, when it's, it's kind of cool when we, we warm up on just like a turf loop so everyone can join as they come. And some days we'll have 20 guys there, you know, it's like, there's, there's guys from all over all different abilities. I mean, we're all pretty close, but um, yeah, I think it's just showing up and, and, and showing they're willing to put in the work with the guys. How and important girls, has we, it been? And ladies, we have, yeah. How, how important has it been to you in terms of, you know, your success? Very. And like I said, like, I think I'm like, I've, it's, it's weird to say, like I've run 218 or, you know, goal of 218 five times. I barely snuck under, but like in my head, I think I can run 215. You know, it's like the, I think you just need the right day. Like grandma's for this time, I ran 218, but like, I didn't feel the best and I just had to get it done, you know, versus like, I feel like if I, if it was, you know, on the right day with the right temperature. And I was feeling a certain type of way. Maybe I could have gone two minutes faster. The marathon is real fickle for me. I mean, and anyone at that, I think at any level really is like, you can, you can think you're in 215 shape and run 222 and you can think you're in 218 shape and run 215. It's just all over the place. So what are the lessons then learned from the lead up to the first trials that you are are trying to apply to this one. I mean, obviously that one, you you had a move in the middle of it. You're not doing that, I imagine, this time around, or at least not going cross country. So that's got to be a a huge help. What what other lessons though do you look back on from four years ago that you're like, I can't wait to apply the positives or, or you know try to push away the negatives from that time to this time? Yeah. I, I, again, I think it's like I I think I was in really good shape for the trials. I just didn't have it. You know, I just didn't. I probably didn't respect the course quite enough. You know, I think that's one thing that with Orlando, like especially with uh, the potential for, for heat, I'm, I'm going to respect the course. I'm going to respect, um, respect the conditions. If it's 75 degrees, I'm not going, I'm not going to PR. And I feel like, you know, almost regardless of like, I'm not PRing at this race. So I'm not going to like set out and go for that. Whereas in 2020, 2020, I was like, I was in the best shape of my life. And I was like, I'm going to run. I'm going to PR like I'm doing this and I just don't think I respected the, the, the course or, you know, the, the timing of the event enough along those lines, like uh, in terms of a game plan, is that something that you talk about with your coach or does, does he lead it up, leave it up to you? Like what, what does that look like? And I guess when does a game plan really truly come in, into the picture for you? Cause there's what 19, 19 and a half weeks until the race at this point in time. So what, what does that look like in terms of, all right, let's time to, to figure out what, what that day should be about. Yeah. I mean, I think it's really just, just getting to the race, being healthy. Um, the training, you know, I think training's not that complicated. Like I feel like everyone's doing similar stuff and like, if you can do that and get healthy and like the, my coach, it's probably different for everyone too. Right. Like I'm someone who's thinking about it all the time. So like, I don't feel like I need as much like, you know, feedback or like what I'm doing in the race. Like, I know I'm locked in. I'm doing my gels, all that stuff versus I feel like other people might, you know, need help. What gels are you going to use? When should you take them? All that stuff. But since I, I do that enough, I think Elliot sent me a text the night before the race at, you know, 9 PM. And I was already asleep that said, you know, Hey, 
I know you got this. That's all you need. Like, good luck. And that, that was perfect. That's all I want. Cause like, actually I'm kind of not surprised that I came on the podcast, but I typically don't like, I like, I love talking about running. I think I probably had a smile on my face this whole time, but I don't like, I don't know, talking about my own running. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like yep. in a, like, like after the race, I didn't want to talk to my, some of my friends about it. It's like, all right, I ran the time it's over. We're done. And I just want to move on. But like, even before the race, it's like, I, I don't think you need to say what doesn't need to be said. If that makes sense. No, it like, does. It's so, it's so funny. You say that like, so I, you know, I qualify for Boston last year and all I want to do is talk about it. And yet I don't, because there, there's almost something embarrassing. Like I go to work and you know, my, my co-host on the radio show is like, so what does this mean? Like, what did you do? And, and I'm like, this, it just, it kind of hit me of like, this is weird. Like I've never mm-hmm. had to talk about myself because it obviously there is a, when you have the success, I mean, especially the success that you have um, or the success that I've had, people will look at that and say, okay, like settle down. You don't need to brag about it. And it's like, Hey, he's just asking me the, st- you know, he just yeah. wants the story, but it's just weird. You have all these emotions. Yeah. Well, and it's almost a weird one too of like people are talking to you like you should be bragging and then you say it and you're like, I'm embarrassed. I just said that. You yeah. Know? It's like, and like even coming on this podcast, like I'm like, I am a, am, I, I'm a two seventeen fifty four. Like I am not a, I'm not qualifying for the trials. I am here cause I love it, but it's like, this is not, this is my passion, but like, I am not like a two twelve. Like I'm not that person. So I don't want to act like I'm trying to be, or I am like, I know who I am and what I want to do. And I want, if I could run 212, hell yeah, I'm going to run 212. <laughs> like, I, I know I can't do that right now. So I'm not going to act like I'm someone who, who's, who's going to do that. Have you thought about what's next after this? Um, what, like you, you said something a couple of minutes ago about, you know, you know, you could place higher in a Boston or a New York. I, like, have you run the majors? And like, is that something that maybe as, as you get past some of this real, competitive for lack of a better word time in your running career that you would really like to do. I don't want to say run marathons for fun, but like, you know what I mean? Run some of those types of races. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's something because basically I've been, you know, tracing trials for this, you know, since 2018 when I had it until now, like I'm not running a marathon unless I can run 218 or it's the trials. And I think the things that, I mean, even basically everyone who's not top 10 at a major marathon realizes like, those guys race the marathon. We are running the marathon. Like we are going for a time. Like, I don't care if you beat me and if you, be, if we beat each other, cause as long as we're going for the time, like those guys will run a four twenty five mile at mile 21 to break people. And then they'll, if no one breaks, they'll run a five thirty. Like they don't care versus like, I set my watch to five sixteens to beep every five sixteen to see where I am at, at the mile markers. Like, so I kind of look forward to like, you know, running a Eugene or a Lincoln where it's like, I'm just going to race someone like I don't care what time I run. I think that'll be, that'll be fun to do. And then, yeah, obviously the majors, um, I, I will definitely be doing those. Um, yeah, it's coming it's, up. But. I love that you said that that way. I had Peter Bromka on a couple months ago and he talked about when he ran at two twenty three, and he was like, you know, the what's next. He's like, look, I could go after a two twenty one, but like what, what's the point of running a two twenty one? So I think that that's a really, I, I think it's a good, it's interesting to hear that mindset of, you're going after 218 or you're running in the trials. So like that kind of, I mean, it eliminates a ton of marathons that, that, you know, someone like me would be interested in running. Yeah. But like, like the, there's a marathon, the, um, 
the one in New York. I can't think of the, um, but they're running a loop and it's like for the trials only uh, McCurdy in it's the week after Chicago. But like it's basically a, everyone who would run CIM doing that. Like it's set up only for 218. Like that is the entire goal of the whole race. They're running a, a three mile loop, setting up bottles for everyone. But like, that's the kind of races that, like I guess time trials so like I would love to do like if I didn't qualify at grandma's I'd probably be doing that um versus a Chicago where like it's more variable like they they pick a time they go somewhere where they know the weather's going to be good it's almost like a breaking two but at breaking 218 I I think there's going to be I don't know how many guys are doing it but I think a ton of people are going to qualify there very cool what's your favorite part about running Oof. um I don't know I just doing it. I, I, I guess, yeah, a little Nike, Nike phrase there for you. But uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think about it. Like in the morning, like I go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time every day. And I know I'm going to get up, um, go downstairs, eat a cliff bar, do my business and head to work and run shower ass and seat by, by eight at the latest. And then uh, do it again after work and come home. So I don't even think about it. It's just part of the routine. So I finish every podcast by asking my guests about what they're chasing. It could be a literal time goal. It could be qualifying for something like you have, or it could just be a feeling. Johnny Rutford, what are you chasing? Yeah, I I don't don't usually speak out my goals, but, you know, I'm chasing uh, for now. Trials, 19 weeks is a long ways away. So I'm chasing the, I'm going to run the Indy Half Marathon and and see what I can do there. That's, That's what I'm chasing. Johnny Rutford, thanks for joining me today on Chasing Three Hours. All right, thank you. Thanks again to Johnny Rutford for joining me on today's episode. Thanks to Ian Alio for production assistance, as well as music and sound design. Thanks to Riss for the cover art. Head to Chasing3Hours.com for more from me, including my weekly newsletter, as I write about my experience training for the 2024 Boston Marathon. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and maybe share with a friend as well. New episodes will drop on Friday mornings. Enjoy your long run this weekend.